But in 2 Kings chapter 18, I want to talk to you about the subject this morning about the highest place in your life, the highest place in your life. And we're going to talk about uh, an individual here this morning a little bit. His name is Hezekiah, one of the good kings of the southern tribe of uh, Judah and Benjamin. And what he did when he came into uh, leadership of those two southern tribes and draw some parallels for us today in our spiritual walk. It says in first in Second Kings chapter 18, I like to read the first six verses, concentrating on verse 4 today. And then when I'm done reading, join me as we'll have a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on our time together. It says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. He removed the high places, and break the images, and cut down the groves, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. What a tremendous statement about Hezekiah. Verse 6, For he clave to the Lord, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. Talking about Hezekiah destroying the high places that we see in verse 4, and asking us this morning in our own lives, who has the highest place in our life? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we approach your throne of grace in the name of Jesus Christ, asking you to meet with us this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would use me, fill me, but also, Holy Spirit, fill these people that are sitting here this morning as they listen, so that the words that are communicated would be received according to the will of God, and that you would work in each heart and in each life in a very personal way. And Father, that you would, through your Spirit's working, draw all of us closer to you, helping us, Father, do your will, glorifying you in our lives. I pray that you would be with our pastor, watch over him and Kathy as they travel back, help him in the healing process, that it would be quick but complete. And Father, again, in all that we do this morning, may it glorify you. I pray that you would minimize the messenger, but maximize the message this morning. And Father, help us in all that we're going to do, bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray, amen. We see in verse 4 of 2 Kings chapter 18 with King Hezekiah, that he removed the high places. 
the high places that they're talking about in 2 Kings chapter 18 and many other portions of the Word of God were left over from the inhabitants of Canaan when the children of Israel arrived in the land of Canaan, the Bible tells us that there were seven nations uh, that occupied that land, and God commanded uh, the nation of Israel to go in and to defeat and destroy those seven nations. But those seven nations had constructed high places where they would worship their pagan gods. It says in Exodus 34, verse 12, let me just read this for you. God talking to the nation of Israel, Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whether thou goest, lest it be a snare in the midst of thee. And then God goes on to tell the nation of Israel, as they enter into the land, as they conquer these seven nations, he says in verse 13 of Exodus 34, But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God wants our 100% worship, our faith in Him to be 100%. He goes on to say in Numbers 33, 52, Then ye shall drive out the inhabitants, those seven nations that occupy the land of Canaan. Ye shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. Not some, but God says when you go in and defeat and destroy these seven nations, I want you to pluck down all their high places. He goes on to say in Deuteronomy 7, verse 5, But thus shall ye deal with them, the seven nations that they're going to destroy. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. And then lastly, he goes on to say in Deuteronomy 12, 2, Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. You see, high places on those seven nations that occupied the land of Canaan were used to worship pagan gods. High places, though, in the nation of Israel, because as you come to study the Old Testament, come to study uh, the book of Deuteronomy and Joshua, as the nation of Israel went in to occupy the land of Canaan, the nation of Israel did not destroy all the high places. Uh, the nation of Israel left some over. And what happened is high places uh, were used by the nation of Israel for pagan worship. It says in Leviticus 26.1, Ye shall make no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up an image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. But the nation of Israel refused to do so. And they allowed high places to exist in the nation of Israel. But what they did as well, not only did they worship pagan gods, at the high places, but the nation of Israel built high places to worship Jehovah. It says in Deuteronomy 12, 13, and God forbid this to happen. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. You see, God had established 
how the nation of Israel was to worship and how they were to sacrifice. And they were to sacrifice at the temple, at the altar there in the temple. They were not to make their sacrifices any other place but at the altar there in the temple area. But the nation of Israel did not destroy, as God commanded them, all the high places. They left some of the high places. They constructed some high places. And there they worshipped pagan gods. And there they also attempted to worship Jehovah God. But high places were unsanctioned worship areas forbidden by God, as I've read you several verses. Rebellious kings like Jeroboam. Solomon was the last king that took care of all 12 tribes of Israel. When Solomon passed away, his son Rehoboam, uh, the kingdom split, and he took the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and then Jeroboam took the ten northern tribes. Jeroboam thought to himself, the temple is in Jerusalem. That's where the altar is, where God commanded our sacrifice and our worship. If the ten northern tribes follow the word of God, they're going to go down to Jerusalem, and I'm going to lose my kingdom. So he set up in Bethel and other places, altars and high places, and had the ten northern tribes worship at those places. So rebellious kings set up high places, and the land of Israel was really filled with high places. And you say, not only did the rebellious kings set up high places, but some of the good kings of Israel, of Judah, set up high places. Solomon did not destroy all the high places. It says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, let me read you a few verses about Solomon. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people, here it is, only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord unto those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he, speaking of Solomon, sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. So Solomon, a good king in many respects, had the people of Israel sacrificing and worshiping at high places. And also he himself worshiped and sacrificed at high places. Asa, one of another good king of Judah, it says in 1 Kings 15, 14, but the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. So even though Asa was a good king, the high places were not removed. We come now to 2 Kings chapter 18, and in verse 4, we find that Hezekiah was the first king to destroy the high places. You see, with these high places and with sacrifice by the people of Israel... Israel was entrenched in their own form of religion. They were not wholeheartedly following uh, the commands of God that God had given Moses and Joshua in regards to worship and sacrifice 
which was supposed to be at the altar of God. And like Israel, many people today have spiritual high places in their lives. And God does not want that. And I want to share with you in my time remaining this morning a few high places that you and I might battle with in our lives that God wants us to tear down. And God wants us to worship Him and only Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth. The first high place that I think about today is the high place of culture. The high place of culture. You see, the high places in the seven nations that occupied the land of Canaan, that was their culture to do. It was their normal way of going about religion and worship was to sacrifice, burn incense, and worship at the high places. It was just a part of their culture. But as I read earlier, God said to the nation of Israel, when you go into, these, into this land and you defeat these seven nations, I want you to destroy their images, their pictures. I want you to tear down their groves. I want you to tear down all their high places. And today, my friends, we don't need to follow our culture or the popular religion that's out there, but we need to follow the Bible. The Word of God tells us in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, love not the world, these are the things that are in the world. Uh, uh, the love of the, if, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You see, for the most part, our culture today has a direct assault against God. It's not for God. They don't promote God. They don't promote Jesus Christ. They don't promote the blood atonement of Jesus. They don't promote the local church. They don't promote soul winning. They don't promote what we are about in the Word of God. We don't need to be following the Hollywood crowd that's out there promoting themselves. That's, they do not set our agenda. The Word of God sets our agenda. The Word of God sets how we talk, how we think, how we act, how we dress. All of that comes from the Word of God, not the Hollywood crowd. And you think about the music that is out there today that is destructive, that is damaging, that is not edifying to the cause of Christ. That, my friends, is what the culture is promoting. And many people have a high place in their life to Hollywood. Many people have a high place in their life to the worldly music that is out there. And even to the humanistic philosophy that is out there. That it's all about me, it's all about me, nothing to do with God. And many people are worshiping that. The homosexual movement does not set our agenda either. We love everyone. The Bible tells us that we are not only to love God, but we are to love our neighbor, but that does not mean we condone their sin. And the homosexual movement is powerful. It's growing. But my friends, we need, even though we love the individual, we need as a local body, and we do, and as individuals, uh, to stand against that movement because God's word, our final authority, is against that. The transgender movement doesn't dictate our policy. 
Listen, we have men's bathrooms and ladies' bathrooms. You're a man or a woman according to God. You're XX, you're a female, genetically speaking. You're XY, you're a male, genetically speaking. That comes from God. And there is absolutely nothing you can do to change it. You can have all the hormonal therapy in the world. You can have all the surgical manipulation in the world. But it doesn't change genetically who God made you. But it's a strong movement and it's coming. It's here. We need to stand against it. Love the person. I'm not saying we don't love the person. Transgender doesn't exist because you can't change your gender. But some people are dictating their life by that. It's a high place in their life. Not only these areas that I've talked about, but I think hitting closer to home for a lot of Christians is the materialistic uh, philosophy that is out there, give me, give me, I want, I want, I want, I want, more and more. And that's a high place in some people's lives, and God wants us to tear those high places down. You think about it today, I'm all for education, but I don't worship my education. And some people do. It's called intellectual idolatry, where all of their effort, all of their life is all about their education and nothing to do about God. That's a high place in people's life through our culture, and we have to be careful. Again, I'm all for education. Go for it. Get it done. But my friends, primary focus, the highest place in all of our lives should be solely dedicated to our Savior and God, Jesus Christ. Our culture wants us to worship someone or something else except for God. They don't care what it is named, what it is, who it is, as long as you are worshiping something or someone besides God, Jehovah, Jesus Christ, and they'll be satisfied. And so we see the high place of culture in our life. Secondly, the high place of compromise. The high place of compromise. I see here in verse 4 and 5, it's interesting and specifically in verse 4, where it says, He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves, and here it is, and He break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Because Moses, back in Numbers chapter 21, God sent serpents amongst the nation of Israel. And people would be, uh, they, they would, uh, the serpent would bite them and they would die. And many people were dying. God told Moses in Numbers uh, 21 verse 9 to make a serpent of brass, the Bible says, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. That's where we get the song, look and live, my brother live. 
they looked to the brazen serpent as it was raised up, and if they, after they were bitten, if they looked, they were healed, just like when Jesus Christ said he also must be lifted up, and when Jesus Christ was lifted up on the cross and died for our sin, if we look by faith to Jesus Christ who was lifted up, we also will be healed spiritually, and our sins will be forgiven. But what happened is the nation of Israel, comprom you see, compromise in this setting because the serpents were gone, time, hundreds of years had passed, but now the nation of Israel, according to verse 4, is burning incense and basically worshiping this brazen serpent, and Hezekiah broke it down. He got rid of of that serpent because there, it suggested compromise in worship to Jehovah God. So you see, compromise is mixing Jehovah and pagan worship. And God's not for that. It says in Deuteronomy 16, verse 21 and 22, Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee, Neither shalt thou set thee up any image which the Lord thy God hateth. And today, as the nation of Israel had mixed Jehovah God worship with pagan worship, we have to be careful that we don't mix the local church and the world. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, that we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. James told the people he was writing to in chapter 4, verse 4 of the book, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I believe that the word of God has given to the local church its mandate, its orders, and that is through the foolishness of preaching, to reach those that don't believe. We don't need the world music in our church. We don't need the world's philosophy in our church. What we need more and more day and day is the good old-fashioned Word of God proclaimed as it is through the teaching and preaching from behind this pulpit and other pulpits in this, in this campus. That's what we need. You see, compromise... If we start compromising, compromise demands compromise. It's never satisfied. It wants more, and it wants more. And also, not only does compromise demand more compromise, it's never satisfied. Compromise leads to confusion. And that's why... The devil attacks the Word of God, attempts to change the Word of God, because as he tries to change the Word of God, which he actually cannot do, because the Word of God forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven, but the devil is attempting to manipulate the Word of God, because the manipulation of the Word of God leads to confusion. When you start taking the blood out of the Bible, that doesn't lead to a better understanding. It leads to confusion. Because when I see the blood 
I shall pass over you. In whom you have forgiveness through his blood. Compromise leads to confusion, and we know that according to 1 Corinthians 14.33, it says, for God is not the author of confusion. So if something leads us to confusion, which compromise will, it's not coming from God, according to the Bible, it's coming from the devil. And it'll lead to confusion. We've got to be careful that we don't have a high place of compromise that needs to be torn down in our lives, in a high place of culture. Culture wants to seep into all of our lives and influence us. And that's why we must saturate ourselves with the Word of God so that the influence in our lives is coming from the Word of God, not coming from our culture. And that we don't have a high place of compromise in our life. And thirdly, some have maybe a high place of what I call convenience in their life. The nation of Israel would say something like this. Why do I have to go to Jerusalem to sacrifice and worship when I have a high place right next door? Makes sense, doesn't it? It's a logical argument. It's wrong, but it's logical. We can be logical. We can even be reasonable, but it can be wrong if it doesn't follow God. Why I, I live in the northern aspect of Israel. Jerusalem is more in the southern aspect of Israel. That's where the temple is. That's where the altar is, where you do your sacrifice. Why do I have to travel all that way, lose all the productivity from my livestock and, and my farming, because I've got to literally physically go to Jerusalem several times a year to sacrifice and to worship God when next door there's a high place. Why do I have to do that? Because God said so. And that's enough. It's not convenient for me to travel to Jerusalem. It's inconvenient. God told the nation of Israel in Leviticus 17.3, What man, soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox or lamb or goat in the camp, or that killeth it out of the camp, and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, where the altar was at that time, to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, blood shall be imputed upon that man. He hath shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people." God was quite distinct, was he not? You're not to sacrifice, you're not to burn incense, you're not to worship at the high places. Harsh punishment for a religion of convenience, isn't it? And people today have a high place of convenience in their life. Well, you know, going to church is just not convenient. The Bible tells us, not to forsake the assembling, the churching, the congregating of ourselves together as the manner of some is in Hebrews 10.25. God is not necessarily worried about your, if it's convenient or inconvenient. He knows what's best for you. And he knows what's best for me. Witnessing to others. I find that when the Holy Spirit guides me to witness to other people, 
in many cases, it's very inconvenient. I've got to stop what I'm doing. I've got to redirect my thoughts. I've got to redirect my actions and go talk to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ or give them a gospel track. And it's, in many cases, not very convenient, but God is not asking if it's convenient. He's saying it's the right thing to do. And how about serving others? Many times, it's very inconvenient to serve others, isn't it? Again, you have to change your thought process of what you were doing. Change your actions. You may have to drive somewhere. Uh, you have to put yourself out. And in many cases, it's not really convenient. Felix, one of the rulers in the ancient land of Israel, probably never came to Jesus Christ as Savior because it was inconvenient for him. And according to the Bible, Felix, one of the governors, If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.